Another episode of Less Than Ten, a Neve Online Small Gang PVP podcast. I'm Feral, and this is episode 35. Uh, it's going to be a pretty good show again tonight. I'm joined by three other people. Uh, welcome back, Ten, from last episode. Hello. And then uh, another co-host who uh, stepped up as well when Ten did to kind of help me organize and and host occasionally is Andy Astronaut, who you guys might recognize from the Discord. He's been been a mod for a while, um, so he's also helping. So Andy, kind of give yourself a brief intro to the to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, so I am a director in Noir. Um, I'm probably younger than most of the people on the podcast as far as uh, Eve age. I started playing like three and a half years ago. Um, and I actually met Feral a long time ago. Feral was one of the people that taught me how to PvP. So that's kind of how we met, and I've kind of just helped along the way ever since. You're probably older than me or younger than me in real life too, because I'm a I'm a boomer dad. Also that, yeah, I'm probably the youngest one in the channel. And uh, our guest tonight is uh, Ithaca Hawk of recent, well, and long time uh, Eve NT fame. So go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, self Ithaca. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Ithaca Hawk on TQ. I fly with WeForm Volta, and uh, I've been doing tournament stuff now for. Don't know how many years with Event uh, and I'm the host of the Alliance Open. I've also hosted uh, Alliance tournaments before and uh, other smaller uh, tournament-related things as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was telling before we started recording, I was commenting on how excellent the guys did, um, and obviously, I mean, this is directed towards you, but I know there's a big team, so everyone involved, just like huge bravo for me. I was I was working on day one, day two, I was at home. But I had my kids uh, with me all day, so like I literally had my phone on the stream, my TV. I was like casting it to my street to my uh, TV on Chromecast, and then my laptop was set up in another area house with the stream up. <laughs> so I, no matter where I was with my kids, uh, I had it up so I could like watch, you know, catch the matches. I would go watch and then kind of like do stuff around the house between matches. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, it ended up being a really good. Show. Um, we were a little bit nervous going into it because uh, it was the first time we'd done something of that scale, fully remote. Previously, whenever we've done the uh, Alliance tournament, we've actually had a, a professional studio set up with professionals to work the cameras and to do the audio. And we've had people who are just super experienced doing individual jobs. But we were doing it all ourselves online, fully remote this time so we were a little bit nervous how it was going to go but ended up being a uh, being really successful for the first weekend so far touch wood yeah i think it ended up looking uh quite slick too like i really like the um between the matches the casters and the character select boxes and stuff i thought some of those elements were really well done yeah and the the one thing that kind of bugged me on day one was the the brackets um weren't formatted well uh like the brackets it on on the screen you know what i mean like in the matches for of the actual ships so when i tuned in on day two and i saw that it was shorted and like color formatted with just ship and distance and maybe name i can't remember i was pretty happy about that too so it's nice like you guys definitely like improved the things that 
that kind of irked me on day one right away. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty good at taking in feedback and things and, and kind of getting stuff fixed very quickly. Um, and that's pretty much down to people like um, Vitor and Gat and General Stargazer and Rathnon, Domitras and BeartJ as well, who are reading a lot of those things. And, you know, I'm, I'm on stream and I'm just talking and I'm doing the easy job and they're working in the background um, as stuff's coming in to try and figure out how to fix stuff for the future. So we'll be in a match and then Gat, for example, who builds a lot of the overlay tools will tell us that he's got um, a fix for his tool ready to push to the server whenever we've got a spare moment so we can push to the server, refresh the overlay, and then it will be upgraded. And this is happening live and they're just working away on this pretty much the whole day. And without them, we don't have all these cool, awesome tools and the data has to be entered manually. So we have people there doing that. And yeah, there's a whole whole bunch of people behind the scenes that make it possible. And you know, we always like feedback. We always like people saying, hey, by the way, your brackets are shit. You know, can you fix that? And um, it's something maybe we didn't notice and it got missed. Um, and we're like, yep, cool. We can get that sorted and make it look better. So, you know, make sure you keep telling us these things. Oh, yeah. It, it like, like I said, I was super impressed. But we will get into that later because that's, I mean, the main reason you're here is to talk about that. So, uh, so we are definitely going to get into EventT later and talk about the matches and kind of the highlights and and get into more questions for uh, for Ithaca. But first, let's kind of go over uh, you know typically on the first segment we like to talk about what we've been doing in game, what we've been flying, and uh, I'll go first, I guess, as I normally do. So since last recording, I was flying a Vedmac a lot, and uh, I had it up to like 25, 30 kill marks. Uh, so I blinged it out a little bit more than normal. Um, my normal one's like 400 mil. So I think this one was like 750. I ended up warping it into a saber bubble at a ping with some Hakates, which was pretty pretty lame. But that's the way it goes. Um, so I got Hakated by like three of them. I almost took one down. And yeah, that's the way it goes. So rip that Vedmac. And then i got like an itch to fly some command ships so i fit up both a nighthawk hml nighthawk and a 720 slip which uh which are pretty the nighthawk doesn't uh, it just shits dps um and it's quite tanky it's like a nano with triple bcu and uh i rolled some abyssals for it which is pretty sweet they turned out pretty good i just kind of like rolled my own and was like whatever they roll as long as the cpu fits i'm throwing them on because I had CPU to spare, so that's why I rolled them. And uh, they rolled like two pretty nice ones, so that's dope. Uh, so I was flying that. It's like a pretty light tank, but like a large dead space shield booster with uh, with shield links. Um, so the RD slip that Jocastus gave me the fit for it was is pretty sweet. It's just like a lightly tanked XLASB uh, with, with uh, I think, dual gyro single TE and some a nano. And yeah, it's pretty nice trying to make plays with that long point web. And you can use the MJD like offensively. And uh, if you time it right, you can get people to like drop their trends and then just volley. It doesn't have a tracking bonus on that hull. So it's pretty tough to, to get big hits with a, with a 720 with, without a tracking bonus, but it's okay. Um, and I was flying all those before the ESS changes. And then the ESS changes came out. I mean, and 10, like on day one, you and I duoed in 100M and Drekovic and Torp Praxis. So, I mean, you, you can talk about that. It's probably one of your highlights, maybe? Uh, it was pretty funny. The, the Praxis is unbelievably slow. So getting out of the ESS bubbles 
I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to do that again. It was, it was too slow, but uh, it was really funny when the shack warped in on us uh, and landed on me at zero and thought he was going to beat up this poor Praxis. And I just started, you know, double webbing him and just pouring torps into him. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he didn't last long. I just heated with a cult and 10 heated with, with torps. And uh, I think he was dual rep, wasn't he? large and uh ansel yeah so that was fun um and we made uh, we made in the leshak loot and the ess on day one just for we were roaming for a couple hours filamenting and we made uh just about 300 mil each which was pretty sweet um and then oh yeah uh my court in thermo we formed up into this like drake brawling comp like uh Tenement shield drakes. I flew a Tenement Vedmac or a Tenement Vedmac sh with shield buffer, and then we used uh, two Ospreys, just like super engageable looking. We had like a Cyclone, couple Drakes, Vedmac, a Bellicose, and and then two Ospreys, and we rolled up and we got a fight against about like sixteen Caracals with like four Ospreys, and. When they, because these dudes in local, I was like, yo, are you guys going to fight us or what? We're sitting in your ESS. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to form. So they did form. And when they first came on and we saw them on D, we we're kind of like, ah, this is going to go bad. But they primaried me first and I just heated my invulns and the Ospreys were on it. And I managed to like keep my speed up and I did not die. I was just pinging like crazy under the Osprey reps as we just shedded, shredded caracals. Um, I think they kind of lacked some experience a little bit and their reps were not landing. Um, and we were just switching targets really quickly between kills. And yeah, they just, we, we didn't lose a ship. And yeah. They, big, big shout out to SMH and uh, Rex Makaka for, yeah. for holding us up in those Ospreys under that. That was pretty <laughs> incredible. My favorite part of that fight is when they started shooting SMH and uh, SMH is yelling like to Rex, bait tank me, bait tank me. And then he, like, three seconds later, he's like, no, full reps, full reps, full heat. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. I'm like, they take you. There's, like, still fucking 12 caracals, man. So it was pretty funny. But, yeah, we, we, that was a really good fight. Um, they, they enjoyed it. They were newer, newer people. Uh, the dude that kind of ran the fleet was talking to me after. And, yeah, that's about it. Just been, like, yeeting and been slowly farming up uh, Pokvin standings so that I can utilize... The return to high sec filaments um a little bit yeah that's that's what i've been doing how about you andy uh so i've been kind of busy in real life so i haven't been on as much as i wanted to but um Mars had a really cool contract right now actually so we're a mercenary corp so we get paid to do fun things occasionally and we got paid to go out to malpace and just basically grief, grief the locals and cloaky camp them um, but there's not a single NPC station in like 20 some jumps, um, no blue structures or anything. So we've been just running around in cloaky stuff and then, uh, camping up or, uh, cloaking up and logging off for the night. And so we've got some pretty cool kills so far. Um, at least that I've, for when I've been able to kind of like log on and check, um, like right before we recorded, we just caught, um, a mining fleet with a Orca, um, uh, Stratios that tried to protect them and then a couple of their um, coveters and then we're getting back to the system we were bridging out of and landed on gate with a Gila uh, who decided it would be a good time to 
gate out to his routing system while there's like five newts in local. Um, and so we caught the gila on the gate and also shredded that um, on our way back. Nice. So, yeah, so um, I haven't, again, been on a ton, but we did that. Um, and then another night we caught a um, an Astro House that was unanchoring and nobody was watching it. <laughs> and so there's just this unanchored Astro House floating in space. And so uh, I pinged around because we had no one with a hauler um, and got a friend to boat out there uh, on a neutral alt or on a blue alt to the, the group that lives out there and scoop it. Um, so yeah, we've had a fun time out there, um, but that's been most of what I've been doing. Sweet. Someone with some experience with, uh, you know, hazing the residents of Malpace. You've run into some really strange stuff over there. Yeah, there is some odd fits and some, there's, I mean, it's a weird mix of like some people know what they're doing and some people are a little clueless. Like uh, we had one guy feed like five haulers in a row or something like that. And then we had another guy uh, actually like jump. Uh, I think they bridged a freighter, like a normal freighter to a beacon. And then, um, or no, they, they brought it through a jump gate. Um, so they brought it through their jump gate and let it get tackled and then tried to use it as bait to bring in the fleet. Nice. I've been, you know, we've been doing the ESS stuff like Farrell was talking about, uh, which has been interesting. The last couple of nights I've been on, we've uh, gone back to the, the usual Kaidi MWD business with mixed results. Uh, not that, like, there's there's no danger that people won't fight you because they're busy thinking about their ESSs. We went by Brave Staging the other night, and they didn't exactly fight us, but they sure showed up uh, and sat on the other side of a gate in a re- really big ball. Um, and I think tonight we went out and uh, pinged some ESSs with a 100mn stabber and then just sat on the end gate and caught some stuff there, which was pretty interesting. I think that's going to be the more fun format of uh, fighting around ESSs for me, at least. It's going to be using normal gang fits on, on the outside. Gotcha. Just like threaten a fight and then, or threaten the theft and then use it to bait out a fight. You put, you put like a alt inside to rob and then fight on the outside. Once this, once you tackle stuff when it comes into the gate, it can't take the uh, the gate to slide in. So it's sort of like low sec actually in some ways. Which is actually an interesting thing because in the first week we were going in and fighting with ABs and we were killing things warping in that were MWD fit because it was brand new. And now that people have started to adapt, we put an alt inside and fight on the outside and they're warping in with ABs and it's just like you know, no brainers to kite, you know, nothing yeah, grabbing pretty, you. Pretty helpless. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's funny. How about you, Ithaca? I mean, you, there's nothing you could have been up to lately, hey? Yeah, well, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a tournament running at the minute. Um, so I've been focused pretty much on that for the last, like, I don't know, two months or so. So I've not actually done a huge amount on TQ. Um, I don't know if you saw, but we actually ran, um, we called it the Alliance Open Opens. Uh, every Saturday for the last sort of about two months, we've streamed an open uh, practice session uh, with usually between four and eight teams coming along and scrimming. Uh, so we've managed to do about, I don't know, six to ten matches every uh, every Saturday. And myself, BRJ and a couple other people have been streaming and commentating them. Um, that along with just getting all of our ducks in a row for the actual show itself has taken up quite a lot of my time. Um, 
But on TQ, I'm in Volta, and um, I've been enjoying being a bit of a F1 warrior for the last little while there, going on some of the fleets there. We've been up uh, sort of fighting bandalogs. Um, and to be honest, I'm ashamed. I've let down my uh, my old pirate roaming roots. I haven't done a huge amount of like small gang roaming in the last like year or so. I just haven't done it. And you guys talking about it makes me kind of want to go back and do some. <laughs> nice. Well, come by there, I will. We'll bring yeah. it up. That's the entire fucking point of the podcast is to make people want to go small gigs. So up success. Let's just wrap her up here, boys. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember back in like yield and low sec days watching videos of people doing like, you know, solo in Marauders and be like, oh yeah, that looks fucking cool. And then sitting there like skilling up a Marauder in like 2011 or something like, yeah, yeah, for like six months because no skill injectors back then. And then I got myself a Marauder and then I just fed it into like the first gang that I found and I was like, oh, I don't have any money to buy another one now. Uh, and that's when I realized maybe I should just, uh, you know, get lots of cheaper ships and did that for a while and it, it worked out quite well. So, yeah. One of the things that like lately, um, so the, the group I'm in um, is like pretty tight knit uh, and we kind of just run with ourselves. And sometimes like, you know, people that come hang out in our discord or people I'll meet on less than 10 discord or whatever, will like, if there's similar mindset, cause we're all pretty chill and we're all like dads. So other people that are dads sometimes come around with us and they, you know, they don't have the experience. There's like one dude, Reich, he's he like recently left brave and he, he wants a small gang and he's coming out and I think he's learning a ton. Um, and it's pretty neat. Like he just flies cheap stuff. He's not, he's skilling up and we're giving him tips on kind of what to skill into, but rather than a marauder, it's like, you know, he's stoked to skill into like Minimitar cruiser five. So his stabber is stronger. It's pretty cool. So let's get into the event stuff. Uh, and and let's, I mean, like I said, we've been kind of chatting about it since you showed up before recording. It's, I, I it was a massive, massive success first weekend. I saw, um, you know, everyone kind of hyping the stream and hyping, uh, watching it and getting everyone involved. How blown away were you with the, the results of, of viewership? So we were pretty blown away almost from the start when we started um, kind of creating this. Um, we put out some feelers to see if people might be interested in doing it because we had to make a decision, you know, how many teams do we have in, how many people in teams. Because you know, if, if we tried to do a certain amount of teams and just wasn't enough interest, then it kind of turns out a little bit crap. So when we said, hey, we're thinking of doing this, 32 teams, and then loads of people were like, yeah, yeah, this seems awesome. That was the first step. Then when we had to do, we opened the signups, we were really worried that we weren't going to have enough people sign up. And then we had like, you know, 45 or so teams sign up within the first couple of days, basically, which we were just way, way blown away with. We, we were like, oh, that's incredible. We, were, we thought we were going to struggle to fill the 32. Um, so we had to do a random draw to fill out some of the last slots to make sure it was fair. Then um, when we were getting ready to go live, we were talking about our metrics and numbers and so on. And we we would have been stoked with about a thousand viewers. Like we were aiming for, if we could hit a thousand viewers at some point over the two weekends, that was our goal. And then in the end, like I think we were just shy of 3000 viewers on the English stream on Twitch. We have um, some partners who are uh, restreaming uh, in China and they had about 250 viewers. And then also we had a Russian version of the stream going out as well, and that had about a thousand viewers. So 
with all those numbers added up and then when we saw the metrics on the website in terms of people clicking through and voting and so on you know really incredible engagement and we were just we, we couldn't believe it. we were blown away that you know i think it shows us definitely an appetite for uh for this kind of content in eve yeah for sure i think i saw somewhere someone maybe might have been bay saying the total like number of view like the view count ended up in the like 20,000s not concurrent but overall yeah that sounds about right i think it was like 25 26,000 and uh i think it was about 12,000 unique viewers over the weekend something like that which is amazing yeah and this isn't even the finals weekend i imagine next weekend it'll be even bigger yeah, and CCP um, gave us a lot of help in this as well. So they gave us some in-game pings, which definitely helped uh, get the numbers up. And we've seen in-game pings go out before for streams, and we saw the the bump come in. You know, it immediately jumped up pretty high, and then usually it drops down pretty quickly and then sort of tails off. But what we noticed was people came in on the ping and stayed. Like the numbers were really solid they didn't really waver around very much like once it got to like over 2000 it kind of just slowly kept going through the day and just didn't drop which is the really important thing that that shows people were clicking through and being like hey this is actually something i want to watch and staying around yeah did you guys have many like non-eve people getting in just because of the sheer volume of, of people watching on twitch the, the nature of you know that attracting people just browsing twitch um i don't know what the metrics would be on that, but it's something that we've discussed previously is EVE Esports is incredibly inaccessible to someone who doesn't know what they're looking at. It's just a bunch of words moving around on the screen and some bars that occasionally get smaller and commentators shouting excitedly about stuff that you have no idea, which is one of the reasons that we came up with that overlay that we had on, which uh, color coded some of the ships and uh, it had labels like Pirate Battleship or Wildcard Cruiser logistics frigate and so on the idea being that if someone who maybe was a bit newer to eve wanted to watch it they're not just sitting there looking at these ships that they don't really know what they are doing things they kind of get a bit of a leg up they can see easily this ship does that and you know for a lot of us we don't need that but trying to make the tournament more accessible to viewers without the core knowledge was something that we thought was quite important and something we worked on quite a lot nice yeah, it definitely is. Like, uh, it's interesting because I mean, that's like you say, that's the big, the big uh, like factor in in Eve esports. But it's also like the factor, the complexity of Eve that kind of puts the hook so deep. Like for me, especially, it is, and I'm sure there's many people who can relate to that. Where where the complexity of Eve is is a massive, you know, draw. But again, like it's so hard to just tune in and not really, you know. There's no not much visual representation of of uh, progress in a, a tournament match. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's it's good. It's about as good as it can be. I think like the stuff you guys have done is pretty awesome, and the attack bar and defense bar and everything control going up and down. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I hope it brings people in as well. It definitely brings back people, but uh, bringing people in would be cool too. Yeah, I mean, one thing we want to do is um so the ui you see on the screen like the main one for the tournament is is hard coded into the client and it hasn't really been updated um for a good number of years now it was built by ccp veritas before he left and ccp logibro did some amazing work kind of maintaining it and now ccp aurora's taking that on and she's doing incredible work like putting the rule sets in and so on but it is 
the jankiest ass piece of code that exists possibly in EVE Online. It, it's got buttons that say things like, are you really fucking sure you want to do that? Because, and that's what the referees have to click to get ready to start the match because it does some things that can't be undone. And it's quite possible if you do things in the wrong order, you can crash the node that the, the, the game is running on, essentially. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty janky and it does some really interesting things. We, um, for example, the wild, uh, not the wild card, the um, uh, frigate escape bay, we have no idea how that will interact with the tool. So we just flat out banned it because it's quite feasible. It'll just crash everything as a, another ship just appears on grid. Um, and something we've we've wanted for years, and Logibro was starting to work towards it, and Aurora has got it on her list, but you know, this is pipe dream for years from now, is to get an API that has all this information, like the attack, like the defense, like all the ship effects and so on. And then we can build a UI from scratch rather than what we're doing is overlaying on top of the existing uh, UI. It's called fancy UI um, in uh, in game terms. And we'd like to be able to do it in such a way that you can actually pipe it into Twitch. So the Twitch overlay is is showing the game overlay, and that means that players can click on, you know, let's say an Atana's on grid. In the overlay at the bottom, they can click Atana, and it would pop up with some information about that ship. That's possible to do in Twitch, and it's something that uh, Logibro uh, was was looking at before he left, and Aurora is aware of, and would like to do something like that in the future as well. So. Making the game in Eve Esports more accessible for people in general uh, is something that I think is super important for the future of uh, like the Alliance tournament and things like that if it ever comes back. Yeah, I mean, you guys definitely took a massive step in the right direction. And obviously, like you made it pretty clear, CCP is working with you guys a lot, obviously, with, with the server and and different devs and, and supporting. But, um, you know, the Alliance Open isn't the Alliance tournament. So what's kind of what's kind of different? I mean, it, it looks and feels like the Alliance tournament, but uh, but what are the main differences to kind of take home? So the main difference, first of all, it's it's smaller. It's 32 teams instead of 64. Um, and second of all, we took the previous rule sets and we wanted to kind of iterate on it because it's not as much fun just doing the same thing over and over again because people figure out the meta pretty quickly. So we, myself, uh, Bayart-J, Elise Randolph, uh, Kyle, and uh, Rain, we had a meeting months ago and we sat down to kind of come up with the core of the rule set. And that's where we came up with this idea of um, three ships per class. So you can have three battleships, three um, battlecruisers, three cruisers, three destroyers, three frigates. Um, and that was intended to allow people to go back to bringing things, like for example, triple Slepnir if they wanted to while also killing off things like the Octodad, which was kind of a bit boring to watch. Um, and then, you know, we talked about flagships, and obviously this tournament is taking place on uh, Thunderdome rather than Tranquility. Uh, so flagships are, would have been broken. You know, you could just sit and you could um, abyssal roll as many Toby webs as you wanted until you got the perfect roll. Uh, so it was pointless doing that. We, we talked about limiting the modules in some way, but then we realised, well, hang on, since we're on Thunderdome, why don't we just let people use Alliance Tournament prize ships? We need to put some sort of restriction on them. Obviously, otherwise everyone would use them every single match. Uh, but that's where the wildcard rule came from. That's another difference from the Alliance Tournament. Uh, wildcard, 
every team can declare theirs and it can either be two alliance tournament frigates don't have to be the same or one cruiser and you can use your wild card once in the tournament unless you reach the best of five grand final in which case it resets and when you use your wild card you can bring that ship so if you've declared the rubisu which is a incredibly powerful uh, tech two or faction logistics cruiser you can bring your rubisu and you can you know you can rip things and just not die because it's a tanky ass fuck ship or you could bring you know freckies if you wanted to um the idea being a lot of teams on tq would never ever be able to bring these ships in a competitive tournament environment these ships are three four five hundred billion each now and even if your alliance could afford to buy one and even if you could find someone to sell you one you know would you want to bring it because you will fly differently knowing that you're in a 500 billion ship and you probably don't want to lose it versus just committing it and winning with it and i think the wildcard rule has been really super interesting to watch because you've seen teams who maybe are top tier going up against a, a less well-known team and the less well-known team being afraid of the the big scary team is bringing their wild card and i think it's leveling the playing field a little bit definitely true i was i really appreciated that aspect of it where you've taken you know partly because it's on thunderdome but also because everyone's under the same restrictions has the same access in the last couple of rounds of the alliance tournament there's a clear advantage to having one before and to having the stockpiles of at ships and all that that is a you know i don't know i i don't like my tournaments to come in, come with an incumbent advantage you know yeah, that's something that's been true for a while. And I mean, if you watch AT16, you watch teams like Vidra, Hydra, NC Dot, um, Volta, Tuskers, etc., all pull out these really expensive ships and just do really, really well with them. And yeah, it's an unfair advantage that you get by winning previous ones. And in that sense, it is fair because you've won them, you've got them, you can use them. It's perfectly legal. Why wouldn't you? But you know, if if you're going up against a team and you've banned out, say, Guardian and Oniris, and you and they have a Rubisu, they can just bypass that ban. And if you don't have a Rubisu, you can't. So the idea with uh, with this was to you know level that back out and uh, give teams a chance to use these ships they might never otherwise get a chance to use. I think the aspect of having like uh, how you mentioned the you know maybe the the mid tier team going up against the top tier team. And the top tier team obviously isn't going to waste their wild card, but the the mid tier team, you know, is afraid of the top tier team or or feels like they're going to lose, so they have nothing to lose, so they bring it out, and it it just it makes room for bigger upsets, right? Which I mean, we saw lots of pretty crazy stuff happen on weekend weekend one there. Um, did was there a highlight for you for like upsets? I mean, I probably know what you're going to say. But uh, but what was like the biggest kind of upset or moment that you that you saw that you casted? I mean, I think probably uh, Warlords of the Deep getting knocked down to the losers bracket by the Weekend Warriors, which then resulted in uh, Warlords going up against Vidra Reloaded, who were also in the losers bracket, having uh, having lost to Volta in the first round. Uh, that was unexpected. If you told me uh, like a couple of days ago that on the second day of the tournament we would see a loser's bracket elimination match between Warlords of the Deep and Vidra Reloaded, I would have not believed you. If you'd said that we're going to see Vidra go 0-2 and out, like, I would have laughed. 
Yeah, I mean, when we pulled the brackets, so we generated the brackets randomly. There was no seeding uh, from previous teams or anything like that. Like usually, Alliance tournament, um, the first couple of seeds are, I think, the first sixteen seeds are uh, pulled from the previous uh, standings. But we just flat generated them randomly for everybody here. And we hit the button and then poof, the whole first round came out. And the first thing that jumped out, like within about three or four seconds of it happening on the stream, I was already talking about Volta Vidra match five of the whole entire thing on, on the first day. I was like, that is going to be a hell of a match because those are two really good teams. Uh, I think the first and second most winningest Alliance tournament captains of all time. Uh, Starfleet Commander, I believe, was on like 29 wins and... Um, Nikanois or Vidra was on 27 wins and you know two hugely experienced teams with a lot of pedigree going up against each other in the first round like that's going to be exciting and it was it was a hell of a match absolutely the other matches well let's talk about teams a little bit um because there there's a lot of all the big kind of teams came out um teams that I like there's the big ones, obviously, that everyone's talking about, which the two that you just mentioned and Warlords are probably the three like most talked about teams. But there's also teams, teams like uh, Templus Calcif and Tuskers, um, who I mean, Templus looked strong. Um, I mean, they they weren't really tested, but I mean, they they won. They weren't tested. I mean, I don't mean that to like talk down on on their opponents, but they didn't go up against someone that's like in the top, you know, twenty percent. I don't I don't think. Um, but they won quite handily both matches. Um, then, uh, you know, Tuskers also looked very strong. Um, there's the winner's bracket is is still looking good. You got Esports Petopia, right? Those guys are, are uh, former frat guys, uh, you know, like Jane Hobbs. Small gang, you know, small gangers everywhere feared Jane Hobbs when he was in frat. And they left and started small gangs. So I, I expect them to have very good pilot uh, piloting skill and working together well. Um, so we'll see if they have like the theory crafting to kind of pull them through further. But they're doing quite well. Like what teams do you guys kind of, do you guys have a favorite or or somebody that you kind of saw coming up that you didn't expect or what? I was actually really impressed by both the esports uh, matches that I watched. The first one was actually like one of the slower matches, or not the slower match, but the slower start uh, of, compared to some of the other ones in the tournament. But it was because they kind of like poked around a little bit and then just kind of straight went for the kill. Um, so their piloting was really good in both that match and the match after. Yeah, they always have a pretty remarkable coordination. It looks like, obviously, from the stream, it's it's harder to tell than seeing them in space, but they certainly seem to have themselves sorted out. I think it's going to come down to, like Favreau was saying, if they have the the depth of theory crafting to deal with some of the things that they're going to run into if they end up going up against Warlords and Volta and teams like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with uh, with Laserhawks. So they, they beat a band apart in round one and then Waffles in round two. Um, the Band Apart team, again, very experienced team. Um, we like to call them aggressively mid-tier. Um, but they're not an easy team to beat by no stretch of uh, the imagination. Waffles as well, a uh, really good team. Some really experienced pilots in there um, from, you know, have got a lot of uh, AT matches under their belt. Laserhawks, of course, came, I think, third a couple of years ago. Um, and a lot of that core is still there. And they did a decent run, I believe, um, in the last Alliance tournament. 
they've got to go up against the Tuskers next, um, who've obviously won against Brave and then Test. So I don't think Tuskers have really faced anyone particularly tough yet. Test are good, but I don't think they're on the same level as the Tuskers. Uh, so there could be a little bit of an upset with Tuskers Laserhawks, because I would imagine Tuskers would want to keep a wild card for later on in the tournament, but Laserhawks might see this as a really good opportunity to pull one out and progress further into the winner's bracket. So I'm excited for that match uh, next weekend. It'll be interesting to see. It's also the Templis Rote match coming up that I, I'm excited for as well, because Rokapel, I mean, again, um, huge tournament history. Uh, I, I imagine it's not the same core all these years, but they probably have some old-timers coming back, I'm sure. Right? They, they do. Their captain, um, Psycho, is like started playing Eve again for this, basically, as far as I could tell. Yeah, they have a number of, of members who've come back um, past ATs and from, uh, you know, their they're semi-retirement home in some ways and that they like to, to hang out over and uh, tribute and gate camp. But, <laughs> right. but whatever, I used to live next door to them. We were neighbors. Nice. And then the other, uh, the other, so one of my favorite matches, I don't know why I like this one so much, was um, in, in round one, Templis uh, fought uh, Slice, and it was like a triple Paladin versus triple uh, Widow match. Do you, do you guys remember that one? Yeah, that <laughs> was really Which is interesting because the, I mean, Paladins have such shit sense, sense, sense of strength, right? But it kind of highlighted uh how big the ecm change was for tournament play i think right with the change being now when you jam something that thing can shoot you so like spreading jams you know it, especially with like jamming the paladins doesn't really do much because yeah like the other paladins can't shoot you know the the other widows essentially or the the paladin that gets jammed can't shoot the other widows but if the widows are spreading jams at all that'd be really dumb but you know, it it's it's just not as strong um in that sense because if you're jamming the DPS, like whatever. But you've we saw ECM be huge in hilarious fashion in the Brave match, right? Like <laughs> I mean, that that Griffin. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yes, that, they... that Griffin, he actually uh we asked them afterwards, he fit four blue jammers to that Griffin. So they uh, maybe they theory crafted that um, Frat were going to bring their wild card. So a quick note on the wild card: because every team has to submit their wild card in advance. If you reckon they're going to pull it, and it's a ship like the Atana, which you know how to beat, you can kind of set your comp up, assuming they're going to bring it. I mean, it's a bit of a gamble, of course, because if you set up to counter an Atana comp and they bring something completely different and don't bring their wild card, then you're a bit stuffed. But in this case, I think that's exactly what happened. The the Brave team banned in such a way that pushed Frat towards bringing their Atana. And then they brought a T1 Griffin with four blue jammers and just slapped them straight onto that Atana and then just dunked it. Because the what what the wild card is, is public knowledge, right? That's on the... Correct, yes, yeah, submitted in know, advance. So they know if they bring their wild card, it is an Atana, we know that. But they don't know until the match if they're bringing it or not. Yeah, that's right. So they won't find out that the other team is bringing their wild card until they land on grid. So it's the same as the old flagship rules, where um, you don't know in advance, so you can't change your tactics or anything like that. And then you land on grid and see 
you know, that wild card sitting across from you, that's when you know. I would have liked to be a fly on the wall on Brave Comms when they saw the Atana. <laughs> yeah, it would have been hilarious. I think the other thing that was cool about that match is like the one thing with the wild card is I would worry that it's kind of just like a like easy win. Like you play your card and if the other person doesn't play their card, then you win it. But that's not what we saw. Yeah, wild cards actually um, got lost quite a lot and uh, not that many won, I believe. But I mean, on day one uh, in the losers bracket, as soon as we got to the losers bracket, the teams just started pulling them out all over the place because they're like, well, we're going out. If we don't win this, we need to win. So it was just wild card versus wild card. Then by day two, people had started to realize that if you do that and you go through, you don't have a wild card anymore. So people stopped using them. Um, but I don't have the stats to hand of uh, wildcard success so far, but I think more have died in the teams I've lost that have used them than otherwise, which is uh, interesting for sure. And I think they're definitely super powerful, but there's almost no wild card that can't be beaten in some way. I have a question for you about the brackets that I was confused about until someone pointed it out to me. When I'm looking at the brackets on um, challenge, for the finished matches at the end, there's a, a number in yellow and a number in gray. And those are not related to the points scored in the match or anything. That's the voting on the match. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So that's um, how we can see what people expected in general. So if you look, for example, at uh, match five, we form Volta versus Vidra Reloaded. 31% of people predicted that Volta would lose and 69% um, or predicted that Volta would win, sorry, and 69% of people predicted that Fyder would win. Um, Orange is the actual winner, so you can see which ones were underdogs wins and which ones uh, which ones weren't. Cool. That's an interesting little detail. I like it. I don't think we had that many underdog wins, to be fair. We had a couple interesting ones and a couple of really close ones, um, but in general, you know, the Twitch viewership seemed to be quite on the ball with, uh, with predicting the winners, which is pretty cool. The, one, the ones I see are the, the Volta Vidra match and the Weekend Warriors and Warlords, and then um, Penna's Out and Volta match, which it was a not a disqualification, but a, a compositional loss. <laughs> yeah, Volta won the actual execution match, but by bringing four destroyers, um, they went against the rule which said you can only bring three of one class. So um, they got the win stripped from them and Penn's out were advanced instead. So I wanted to ask you about that because what was going on behind the scenes when you guys realized Fulta broke the rules? Uh, who's making the decision on how to enforce it? Because I know on stream um, it was said that uh, that basically it, um who was it again what was the it was pen is out yeah pen is out that pen is out could either decide to have a rematch or accept the results of the match but in fact what happened is pen is out got to choose to either have a rematch or take the win is is the end result so like what was kind of going on how how panicky were you guys on on kind of getting the ruling down was it one person was it several so when when stuff like this happens, um, and it's impossible to predict when and if something's going to happen, there's a couple of opportunities for it to get stopped before we have to deal with it. So first off is the team noticing that there's an issue and then correcting it. 
either before they move, when they move, when they land on grid, uh, basically any time until the match starts. If they notice it, they can pull it up and we can deal with it. The next is for us to catch it and um, the referees, we have two referees running all the matches and they're based, because of the way the pipeline works, they're running four matches at any one time. So they're doing a lot of work and a lot of back and forth between different teams and captains and getting bans and putting comps into our website to check them and so on. And as it happened, um, whenever we'd done things like opens, we'd been manually counting ships and it always worked. But when you try and run, you know, 40 matches over two days, manual counting, it can get missed, it can, mistakes can be made. Um, so we didn't catch that one. Just as an aside, um, our tool has now been up updated, so that won't happen in the future. It's being counted automatically now for us, and a big error will flash up for the referee that someone's brought too many of a particular ship. But we didn't catch it uh, until the match countdown was running, and then uh, by the time it got noticed, I think it was like four or five seconds before the match was due to start, and we couldn't stop the match in time or deal with it before the match started. So then, now the match is running, we have to decide what to do and um people are busy people are running things like uh bart j who's the sort of the, the the person who's in charge of the rules and so on he's the one that's running the production in terms of um what you see on the screen so he's running the camera accounts he's cutting between camera feeds and all that kind of stuff while also trying to hold a conversation with people and we can't talk on comms because the comms are going out live because our commentators are in channel so it has to be done in text while he's also trying to run the cameras and everyone's doing about four different things at the same time. So it's really hard to focus on any one thing. So the quick decision was, let's just let it play out and then deal with it after. We can't interrupt the match to, to deal with it because it's too late. We missed that opportunity, that's, that's gone. Um, once it happened, um, we were coming, we've got 60 seconds in the ad break to quickly discuss things before comms go back out again. And um, in the meantime, we're setting stuff up for the next scene on screen so again really hard to get things done quickly but um we immediately were like we have to do something about this um rematch we should do a rematch or we should um we should penalize volta or something and bay to his credit was trying to still run the production while trying to figure this out and made a quick call with which was what was announced on screen as soon as that was done um a number of people uh, myself included uh, in the production chat. The conversation kept going on this. Um, didn't 100% agree with that particular call. We felt that it was a bit unfair to pen us out. But, you know, United Front, you stick to what was said until you can go against it. And we discussed it once we had a bit more time. I don't know if you noticed, but after the next match, we ran a long ad break. We ran a, like a double or even a triple ad break. And we had everyone ready to have a natural discussion. We had all the information that we needed. And we had a quick discussion and we were like, Unfortunately, Volta didn't catch it, we didn't catch it, it's happened, we need to figure out how to deal with this. Pen is out, we're offered a chance to basically just eat a loss or go again, even though it was Volta's fault, which wasn't really fair. So we decided to reverse that decision and then offer Pen is out the opportunity to replay the match if they wanted to, or take the win. And they chose to take the win. Once that was communicated to the captains and once the actual decision had been made by the captains themselves that's when we then re-announced it on stream and that's what you saw i think like uh the way you guys handled it was very like there's a lot of pressure in that situation for all the reasons you just mentioned uh, i wouldn't want to be in that situation because you know 
there's fans of both sides there everything like it, it, no matter what you do it's going to be uh open to a ton of criticism but i think you guys handled it really well i personally agree with the with the outcome with the the rule that you guys enforced and and you know i don't know i just like uh just again like reinforcing how well the weekend went and how well you guys did i think that was a, a pretty key moment for me to be like well they they assessed that perfectly in my mind and and executed it you know without even a break you said you ran longer ad break but you know that that in of itself is just good good kind of planning to to do that and and deal with it so again bravo there because uh i don't know did you what do you guys think andy and 10 is that the right the right way to go on the rule what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the right call. I think, like, you can't, like you said, Volta was the one that was kind of at fault. You can't really, like, force someone to be punished for what someone else did wrong in a match. And so, like, and again, like, I think everyone kind of said this, but it didn't seem like it was malicious or, like, on purpose, like a lot of other things were. So it's kind of still a bummer, but I think that's the fair thing to do still. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, certainly, like, Totally disqualifying them out of the tournament would have been overboard, but like you're like you're saying, putting the the results sort of the weight of the result on Penn is out is not fair either because they're not the ones who did anything. Um, so I think it came out really well, um, and you know aside from obviously like the the announcing one thing and then changing to another one, I thought the production side of it actually was really smooth the way you guys. You know, I didn't even notice that there was a longer ad break or any of that. I thought it was handled um, quite professionally. Uh, I mean, on on the announcing one thing and then changing it, my opinion in things like this is, um, you know, we're volunteers, we're fallible, we're just regular people who like to play this game. And we make mistakes just as much as everyone else does. And I think sometimes people make the mistake of refusing to back down from something that they've done and not addressing the fact that it's necessarily the wrong decision. And although once the decision has been made in concrete, you shouldn't go back on it, you should definitely address things. And I think us making an announcement and then thinking it through properly and realizing actually that was the wrong way to do it. And then being able to discuss with the captains and change that to what we thought was fairer rather than just leaning into our first thing and refusing to admit that we were wrong um, would have been the wrong thing to do. So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to pivot and, you know, have the, after, maybe we were too hasty and that's a mistake on our part and the first announcement we made. But um, I think we wanted to try and get ahead of it because I don't know if you noticed, but um, everyone else did. And just ignoring it while we sorted it in the background didn't seem like an option. So we made the decision very quickly. And in retrospect, we made it too quickly and the first decision was the wrong one. So being able to readdress it and everyone's been very understanding, you know, people like yourselves and so on are understanding our, the situation. And it is difficult, but I think in the end, the decision we made was the was the right one. And, and I'm glad that everyone seems to be roughly on that same page with us. Yeah. And it's just like in real sports, you know, a decision can be made. Well, decisions are made in, you know, essentially an instant reaction to the to, to what happened and they can be challenged and re- decisions get reversed all the time it's not a big deal that's sports right like that's the way it goes absolutely and i i mean i uh, my career up until about eight months ago was live event production so i have been 
there and I have watched people make choices and then realize they're the wrong choice and then not back down from it. And uh, it's definitely better to change your mind. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show some of the differences doing it virtually as well, because when you're running it virtually, it's more of a skeleton crew. When we did Alliance Tournament 16 um, in a full studio, we had a lot more people involved in the production to the point that Bay Art J, um, who's kind of in charge of things, is in a producer role. So his job on the day is done. He doesn't have, he, all his stuff is in the run up and the planning and so on. And on the day, he just kind of floats around being the producer. Whenever anything crops up, he can deal with it, make decisions and so on. Whereas because we're running on a much smaller crew to do it virtually, he's also having to do all the, the streaming duty and the production and mixing and so on. So now rather than having someone, if this had happened in AT16 and we had the decision to make, then it would have probably happened a lot quicker and it would probably happen right the first time. It's just due to the workload that people have to do to do uh, something like this. And that's just the way it is, unfortunately. I wish the whole situation hadn't happened um, and Volta would have continued in the winner's bracket. And I'm saying that not as a Volta person, of course, um, but just as someone who likes to see good matches. And it's just unfortunate that that happened and, yeah, we have to deal with it and move on. Yep. And, you know, we all, I mean, I think we all agree it was handled pretty well. So. Is there anything else you guys want to touch on regarding uh, the Alliance Open before we move on? Yeah, I was actually going to ask... Um, what what's different? What's going to be different coming up this next weekend? Um, where do we? When do we see the finals, and how 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 is that structured? That's different from what we've seen so far. So um, this weekend, uh, you're going to see it become a bit more competitive, I think, because um, in the first weekend, people tend to try and keep some of their cards a little bit closer to their chest. They don't bring out their ultimate top tier setups they kind of keep them in the in the back pocket unless they absolutely have to bring them out um so i think we're going to see those those setups start to come out especially uh, for some of the teams in the losers bracket we have a couple of really good teams in there uh volta warlords of the deep 420 mlg uh, all in the losers bracket um so that is going to be super interesting when it gets towards the actual finals finals there's a losers bracket final which um I'm running off memory at this point, I think is a best of three. So rather than just being a best of one elimination at that point, it's a best of three. So if you win two matches, you progress. If you win one, lose one, there's one match to decide it. And then the winner of the loser's bracket will then go forward to face the winner of the winner's bracket in the actual grand final, which is a best of five. When they reach the best of five, the wild card resets. So if you've used your wild card, but you've reached the best of five, to reset, you can use it again in one of those five matches. It's gonna be interesting. I can't wait for the. I don't know. Is the is the winners bracket final like um, before they face the winner of the losers bracket? Is that a best of three as well or no? Uh, yes, the finals of both winners and losers brackets will be best of three in the rules. There you go. Saved by someone else. <laughs> nice. You know, one thing actually, I tell you that's slightly different from the way we've run these tournaments before and including the way ccp have run them is normally all the matches um have a dedicated start and finish time um so usually 20 minute intervals and that's the way it's happened for the first weekend and it'll happen for that most of the second weekend but we've moved a slightly different format for the best of three matches 
Um, so rather than saying your first match is at this, so 20 minutes is not enough time for, for a team to run back-to-back matches. So during the best of three and best of five matches, the gap tends to be a lot longer between the, to allow the teams to do the bands, to, you know, fit more ships, to the 3D craft, et cetera, et cetera. It's usually about half an hour or so um, between each match. So the, the speed of the tournament and the production slows right down when you get to the finals. And that's just the way it happens. It's, it's understandable. But what we've done is, um, rather than saying this match is at, say, 3, this match is at 3.30, um, we've said that the next match will be a certain amount of time after the ending of the previous match. So if the match, what we've seen previously in Alliance tournaments is teams will actually, they'll have won the match, but they will keep the match running. They won't kill the final ship because they'll give themselves longer time to theorycraft the next one. Um, So we're going to make it so that as soon as the match is over, that timer starts ticking until the next match. Cool. Looking forward to watching it. Um, do you have any, are there any thoughts or plans about like next year or the next tournament or any of that? Or are you guys just neck deep in this and haven't even thought about it yet? Uh, one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> one can hope. One can hope, yeah. I mean, CSB have been really good at supporting it. And I think they're pleasantly surprised with the metrics as well in terms of how many people are... Um, watching it so i'm hoping that that will make its way up through ccp to the right people and you know they'll they'll see that people love this kind of stuff and we'll see more from ccp in the future but that's just uh one person quietly wishing it doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah for sure all right well i guess we'll move into our kind of our final uh segment which is kind of talking about some recent big game changes um not just just kind of a brief you know we already touched on the ess but uh there's one other one we'll talk about a little bit just pretty brief and then we'll wrap it up with an outro and shout outs and stuff like that um so uh super carriers got changed and it's not the kind that i don't know it's like a weird change it, you know it's not a nerf they've been nerfed enough i think like small gangs in such a good place when it comes to capitals now um but they 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 kind of repurposed them a bit, and it's weird. And I don't know if it's relevant to small gang, but we'll touch on it. So basically, supers work as a death clone bay now. You pop this drug, and then it, it makes it so your clone will appear in the super. When you die, you can like spawn in one of the ships beside the super, one of the ships that are in the super's SMB. Um, so I don't know. We'll see like if if it ends up having any like big meta use uh, or maybe like if you're killing a super and you're like, they bring in support, you like have the lonely super tackled, like, you know, fragging support will be a little more difficult because in theory they could, they could just keep on reappearing in ships. (laughs) I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it, is it, is it going to be a thing? I don't know. It's an interesting idea making the super carrier like, a little bit of a forward operating base kind of that you can respawn out of if you're in system with it. But the way Citadels and jump clones, you know, are everywhere at this point, it seems a little bit superfluous. Like what are you, you know, what are you going to use that for when you could just die into your Fortizar next door with an infinite ship bay? Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. I was trying really hard to think of a way where it would be like useful offensively, but I think anytime you have anytime you would use a super for this, I think you would be better off with a structure. 
and most groups will have a forward of like offensive structure or defensive structure in the system they're fighting in or nearby like a jump or two out yeah the the thing that the thing i immediately thought about it was this is for invading wormholes except you can't take supers into wormholes so yeah that would actually be a really interesting place for them but yeah like you said you can't take them in there it feels to me like it's the first step of trying to find a new niche for supercarriers and titans because the previous niche for them is you know it's broken as we know um and they they can't just make them completely useless because so many people would be so pissed off at the fact that they're super expensive space coffins it's, it's just irrelevant and there's something to be said for just sucking that up and doing it if the if it's unbalanced but i think what they're trying to do is carve them into fit this new niche which isn't developed yet and this feels like the first step towards doing something like that, which I'm all for. Uh, like I've done the big super capital Titan super blob stuff before, and it's, to be honest, kind of boring. Um, so just having this N plus one battle where if you bring more than you win isn't really that interesting. So if they become more support ships and you know they change utility of these ships, I think that's going to be just kind of generally better for the game in the future. How do they do it? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think this is just the first step in something like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they take it if they're if they're designing something where this mechanic will become, you know, optimal in a certain situation that they haven't brought out yet. One thing is when the changes kind of all these, because I agree with you, they definitely are moving down that path now that the previous niche that Supers and Titans had of fragging absolutely everything uh, is gone. Um, they're going to be pushing them into a new role. And I don't think NullSec citizens are going to have much to complain about seeing as how stacked the CSM is during this time. So we'll see. I don't know. It's it's a thing. We mentioned it. If people start appearing outside of a supercarrier, this is what's happening, guys. I, uh, I saw some of the graphics a little bit on CC. Someone was playing with it last time I logged in. And they're... They're beautiful. Actually, the the larger size of the hulls and the visual effects they've attached to these new modules are are quite quite beautiful. Yeah, I watched uh, Delone Wolf uh, had a video where he was taking part in the the live test on Sissy, which like shout out to that dude's YouTube channel. It's like not PvP at all, but uh, Delone Wolf makes dope PvP videos. I, I like him. Yeah, I watched the exact same video. I was about to say that. The, it's it's like pretty informative he kind of like um it answered a lot of questions like one of my questions was whether or not you would have to take the drug each time you died like if it cleared it when you got potted um and it doesn't and then yeah like some of just the other mechanics and the visuals i think he did a good job of showing so that was a good video yeah all right and let's talk about the ess a little more but before we wrap it up but not so much our experiences more like the community response because ESS is, in my opinion, uh, one of the best changes CSP has made in the last five years. I mean, uh, we'll see what it does to to NullSec ratters and, and if they continue to rat or they drop off a whole bunch. And I mean, if they need to make the carrot a little bit bigger, make the fucking carrot bigger. Um, this is like really good content and I don't want to like starve them of their content. Personally, uh, I've seen some hilarious battle reports. Uh, I think the way to play and outplay and, and counterplay is is really good. I mean, uh, metas are slowly developing. Uh, 
But just earlier, how we mentioned, like, we fight outside all of a sudden and we're killing AB ships on the beacon outside that we're holding with nano gangs instead of fighting inside. Like, you know, unless they're running like dual prop hacks, uh, you can bet on playing one way and, and trick them into playing the other way. You know what I mean? Like, there's lots of different plays and counterplays, and I really like it. I'm super hyped on it. I've been having tons of fun. I don't even try and fucking tackle ratters anymore. I just go to the ESS. Like, yeah, not not feeling the slightest urge to be like, well, the only thing in here is these gilas. I guess I'll try to warp to one. It's it's great. It's very freeing to not care about that anymore. Like, have you guys heard much? So, Andy, you're kind of in, like you guys hold Sov. Well, and Ithaca, you guys do too. Um, I mean, and I know you've probably been crazy busy, but have you? I'm interested to hear from like people that are ratting. Like, how bad is it? How like are they just not doing it as much? Like, what's what's the thing there? And I know Volta probably doesn't have too. Well, maybe they do have people that rat. I don't know. Oh yeah, Volta have some turbo crabs. Um, I think the problem with the people in Volta is you know we lived in Terra for so long that people got used to having not very much money, and then all of a sudden. When we took uh, some solve some areas of space that were quite good for ratting, people realised this was a, uh, you know, free money basically, <laughs> and it was. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of people ratting super hard, super quickly. Um, personally, I actually don't know um, how it's going for, you know, in terms of people killing things with ESS or in terms of people ratting, because since it came out, um, I haven't actually logged into. TQ. Um, I've been so busy with this tournament. In fact, the only time I logged into TQ was to update the skills on one of my characters and then log back off again. And I looked at the the next model that character was in. I was like, it does look bigger. And then I logged off. So that's my contribution. Yeah. So we don't have Sav, but we're blue to Wrecking Crew, and obviously they have Space and Providence. Um, but kind of like Ithaca, not to the level that Ithaca is. But um, I've been pretty busy in real life so i haven't been on like watching intel channels and stuff much um but that said i think one of the hilarious battle reports had some of our blues on the losing side (laughs) so um i've at least seen it happen and i know it's happening around but unfortunately i haven't been like around or in our blue comms uh since we've been deployed to really like uh see what people's reactions are but i've been watching like the text channels and stuff and people don't seem to be complaining about it as much as i thought they would be like i honestly thought people were going to go crazy but um i haven't really seen a whole lot so i mean voice comms could be different like in game could be different but at least on like our kind of uh discord and that kind of stuff people aren't complaining as much as i thought they would that's been my experience too um i don't have a lot of contacts in in big null empires, but I know a bunch of people in sort of smaller middle-sized groups like uh, Deepwater Horizon or Rocapel and stuff like that, and they've they've been enjoying it, I think. Um, anyone with the slightest inclination to PvP can make it just an absolute nightmare for the random person who's like, ooh, there's a bunch of money in this ESS, so I'm going to warp in and land on this Hugin as you undock you know, sentry rattlesnakes from your Fortazar and just warp over and fry them. <laughs> you know, it's it's quite easy to defend if you are paying attention to it. Yeah, if you're paying attention and you have the kind of required ships or required fits for it, I think it's super easy to defend, especially when you're on your home turf and usually outnumbering. 
and the nice thing about it too is like because of the nature of how it pays out every three hours um in the main banks i mean reserve banks are going to be a different story when they drop but the main banks like it becomes not worth it for bigger fleets to roll around ravaging these things in you know almost all areas of space because of the three hour payout. Like you're not going to make that much money split between like 10, 15 people. Like it's, if your goal is to make money, you know, doing it with like solo or like three, four people. Great. If your goal is to get fights again, doing it with solo two, three people, four people. Great. But as soon as you get up to that, like 10 man mark, I don't know. Are you, are you going to get fights like fights that you wouldn't have gotten? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know if you're going to get fights that you wouldn't have gotten. I've certainly seen quite a number of fights in kind of the, the EU time zone. Um, I roam around with Three Tiers, who's a streamer um, who was in was the head of an alliance I used to be in, um, and he likes to occasionally take out, you know, public or semi-public fleets with just like you know a bunch of like shield thoraxes and a couple of logi, because if you put seven or eight shield thoraxes that do 900 DPS inside one of these ESSs, you know, anything that warps into you is almost certainly going to die before they kill enough thoraxes to matter. And there's just been more people, more other people running the ESSs, more defense, like more active defenders, just more stuff happening. Um, actually, a couple of days ago, we got brutally murdered by Volta because um, we were messing with ESSs in their space, and they brought a Zealot and Guardian fleet to fight a Shield Thorax and Scythe fleet, and that went exactly as you might imagine it would. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm all for the ESS. Like you guys are gonna hear me. I mean, we talked about this for months before the change happened, and I'm gonna keep talking about it now because it's a fucking dope change. Uh, I love the fact that. I can't go in there and nano gang uh, and everyone that is in NullSec just likes to whine about why, uh, you know, all these nano gang losers that run away from everything. But like, you know, we nano gang because we have to, because of the, the tools that other people have, like try brawling, roaming around with two people, like just try it. But now with the ESS, it gives us the tools to be able to bring brawling comps in and you know you don't have to use a fucking tack nightmare guys on the edge of the bubble while your alt you know burns the ESS. You don't have to do that. You can have some fun and uh, and roll fun stuff, and it's hilarious and entertaining. And there's still so much room to outplay people. Like it is good content. I love it. It is, and it's a really interesting sort of slowed down meta because you have ten MN or hundred MN essentially are your choices and there's no frigates or destroyers. So there's nothing, you know, you see something going 2000 meters a second. It's, it's no, it's remarkable. You're like, Oh shit, that guy's got a blingy nightmare. Um, and it's such a different experience from, you know, the whole rest of Eve where you've, now we've got combat interceptors going 10 K, uh, you know, two seconds after they start moving. So, I, I don't know. I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, move into some shout outs. Um, I don't know. I don't think, I think we, we should all give even to you guys a shout out just like collectively because no one's doing as much work as them right now. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Keeping me uh, occupied on the weekend or entertained for sure. 
and like I think it's been said multiple times, but just the production quality has been awesome from everyone. Yeah, for sure. Even two guys have been doing a great job. Um, anyone who's in their Discord knows that they deal with a great deal of feedback um, in a wide variety of flavors, and they deal with it with a lot of uh, calm and rational response, which is really impressive. Uh, I just like to shout out um, all the people in the back that actually help us do this stuff. So the people that you don't see on the stream and you know the people that actually make the tools and things like that and also uh all the people who like you know are in teams and are actually taking part in it because if people don't take part in it then you know it's just us sitting talking to ourselves at that point so my share goes to all the pilots that are in all the different rosters of all the teams awesome and i think uh ccp aurora deserves one more mention because she's been dealing with the tournament tool and all that not as her job but as her spare time um, and making this happen. Absolutely. She deserves praise from the entire community. Anyone who loves eSports and EVE, um, you can pretty much thank CCP Aurora that we're doing this right now. Amazing. And send me one more quasi shout-out from me is for Jocastus because uh, he spent some time and made us a really cool less than 10 ad to, uh, to get up on, on the... Uh, for the finals weekend so thanks buddy love you and uh yeah well that's the show tune in next time next episode might be uh might be pretty spicy we'll see how it plans out just remember it's not the size of your gang it's how you use it